Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Friendings. My name is Sabina, and I'm here to take a look at the end of friendships, how that loss is experienced, grieved, and made sense of over time. It's not something we tend to talk about, and I'd like to change that. Hello, dear listener. I am super excited because I have some company here with me this week. I had hoped when I started the show to be able to share a diverse range of stories and perspectives on friendship breakups and breakdowns. And I'm so pleased to welcome our very first guest on Friendings, who will be sharing a story of a friendship loss with us today. I'm thrilled that this person is my first guest. I'll let her introduce herself in a moment, but I will say that she has been with me on the journey of creating this show from the start and has been one of the many voices urging me along on this exploration. And now, in the spirit of walking the talk, she's so generously agreed to open up her heart to us, and I'm just full of awe and gratitude to her. If you've listened to episode two of Friendings, you'll know that On this show, instead of using real names, we use the names of iconic women when we're referring to a friend. And today is no exception. My guest has one such iconic woman in mind. I wonder who it'll be. Let's begin. Thanks, Sabina. Hi, my name's Tori. Today I'm talking about a friending, my friend's name. Let's call her Brittany for this purpose. Um, The Britney Spears. (laughs) I haven't really talked about this friending before with anyone. This process of going through what happened has been good for me just to articulate actually what went wrong and why. It was something that I was really sad about. I think it's something that kind of died over a long period of time just slowly and our values changed over time as well as our lifestyles. I've probably talked about it with my husband because he was friends with this friend as well. We've been together for more than 20 years, so he's, you know, I feel like he's always been around. Brittany was someone that I met in my late 20s working for state government, and she was just a ball of fun. She was really, you know, outgoing, yet anxious but loved to go out and party and see bands and appreciated the arts and she loved travelling. So we had a lot of fun things in common that we liked to do together and uh, sometimes it did lead to kind of boozy lunch times. I just have to interject here and just make a point about fat cat bureaucrats. (laughs) Shame files but, you know, fun. Um, (laughs) So many good memories. She was my number one bridesmaid when I got married in Vanuatu and only a few people were invited to the wedding. So, you know, she was number one special person. My husband's parents didn't even come to the wedding. That's how important she was. When I met her, I was in a solid relationship and she was looking for that in her life, you know, marriage and kids, like the whole package. But she came from a very strongly religious family and with a lot of siblings who had all kind of married and had children. So in her heart, she really wanted the marriage and kids in the traditional sense, like her siblings. I had a really good partner at the time. You'd been together for five or six years. 
whisper I was ambivalent about kids and marriage. It was never one of my goals to get married and have kids. And Brittany? Mm. Did she have a Justin in her life? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. People came and went through the partying, but nothing stable. I just want to clarify I don't think having a Justin in your life is a good thing. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) So we had a lot of fun together and through the partying, I introduced Brittany to another good friend of mine and they seemed to hit her off and they ended up in a romantic relationship, which for both of them was their first lesbian relationship, which did come as a bit of a surprise to us. You know, I was really happy for them. Sometimes I think the main purpose of me being friends with Brittany was to bring Brittany together with my other friend. And I know that um, they still keep in contact and talk every week, even though they're not romantically involved anymore, whereas I lost them both. So for the first time in our friendship, I was on the outer And I think I did feel some kind of ownership over them. Um, And when they weren't exclusively mine, I was was a bit put out by that. Um, So it really did kind of change the dynamics of the friendship. Um, I felt like I was on the outside. I had two good friends and then, yeah, I was the third wheel. So you've got two of your friends who have kind of found each other, not just as friends, but as loves, literally, and you get wrapped up in that in the early stages of a relationship, you know. It's called limerence where you just can't get enough of each other (laughs) and you can't think about anyone else and you can't eat and you can't sleep. It's what all the love songs are about is limerence. Mm. You know, so you're finding your two best friends have discovered each other and are going through this really intense limerence phase and... There's kind of no room for anyone else in that. Yeah, that's right. And I I felt like I was being talked about and judged as well. So in their connection, maybe they needed to push me away a little bit to make their connection stronger. I think they, because it was their first relationship with another woman, there was a rejecting of the heterosexual relationship. But she still very much wanted marriage and kids? Oh, from the first moment that I met Brittany, she made it really clear that she was desperate for marriage and kids. That was definitely part of her future. She wanted the whole package and she still doesn't have that. And I do. Yeah. So that was tricky when I, when I first became pregnant which was a conscious choice for us. Yeah, it was a little bit scary kind of telling her that. And I know that she was happy for me, but there was probably a bit of shock and a bit of sadness too. Maybe because she didn't expect that I wanted children. I mean, that's something that kind of came quite late in my life for me. And and did that happen before she hooked up with your other friend? After. After. Okay. After. So yeah. yes, you guys were like surprising each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With your choices. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. True. Things were shifting. Yeah, yeah. They really did. And 
she came to see both my babies when they were little and she's just one of those people who are just she's brilliant with children they just gravitate towards her and she has that natural kind of childlike enthusiasm that children just love to be around she came to see them kind of once or twice but then stayed away if you know what I mean yeah so entering into that different life phase changed the relationship again friendships can change anyway when one friend goes off and enters a different life state when you've got that background of being something that one really wants and doesn't have that can create that extra layer of not resentment but just just sadness that you can be happy for your friend and sad for yourself yeah I think there's a part of her that when I started having children she just couldn't be around it so that was when I think our friendship really died and we kind of lost lost a lot of contact then and she's still living this life where she's meeting people and traveling and going out and I'm my main priority is raising a family and you know at the same time she's got a lot of things that I I would like in my life too so then what happened well we moved away for a while and for that period of time I didn't have any contact with her it was definitely five-year period We've tried a few times over the years to reconnect and this year I caught up with her at the beach and it was really lovely to see her and I remembered all those wonderful things about, you know, why we were friends in the first place. And she was great with the kids, you know. They liked her straight away and it was fun. And then it just, <laughs> then it just wasn't. Ah, oh, we ended up disagreeing about something She's always complained that she's an alcoholic and she drinks too much and I invited her to a free webinar on addictions and she took it really personally, like I was judging her and giving her advice that was not welcome. I don't know. It wasn't a, I think you need it. It wasn't advice. I think you need to do this. It was like, you're a self-confessed addict. Here's this free thing if you'd like to change your life. Here's an opportunity. So, yeah, definitely I can see that she feels like I judged her. There's also a part of me there that does judge that. I'm like, you don't get to complain about the same thing for 20 years and not take action. Just stop complaining about it then. Oh, that reminds me of an episode of Sex in the City where Carrie and Miranda are shopping together um, in some second-hand vintage shop and... You know, she's been through the whole big heartbreak and her friends have helped pick her up off the floor and, you know, she's kind of good again and then she just casually drops that, oh, she's been seen big again and Miranda just freezes and she just goes, you have got to be kidding me. Like, I cannot go through this with you again. I'm so sick of hearing about this like when are you gonna let it go yeah that was a really good scene if you're drinking every day and you're happy about it great I wouldn't be suggesting yeah felt quite attacked she was um quite aggressive in her I don't want your advice you know we'd organized to go to a fringe show together and then more text messages were exchanged and it wasn't friendly and for me, that was the end of it. I'm 
not going there anymore. And I know she's not either. But the friendship's over. I mean, I take responsibility in the regard that my communications weren't well received. So I'm, you know, I reflected on what could I do better next time to not put her offside. At the same time, she's been drinking the same way for more than 20 years and at the same time complaining about it. So she feels very defensive about that. And so it's really hard to have an open conversation with someone who just their first reaction is to attack. I don't know how to communicate in a way that can resolve that because I'm not going to put up with being attacked either. If it hadn't been for that, do you think you'd still be friends? Possibly, but there'd be something else that would come up similar. It would just change form and maybe that's it. Maybe I have a low tolerance for people who complain about the same thing for a long time but don't take different actions. Maybe I am judgy. Was it Einstein or somebody smart said insanity is continuing to do the same thing time and time again but expecting a different result? Correct. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's so hard to see somebody who you care about um, kind of self-sabotaging in that way and not say something. And blaming me for it. Was it the other person's problem if they're offering maybe one step out of that. And I guess you'd probably moved on from that constant refrain that you have in your 20s and 30s, I guess, like, ah, oh, so hungover, <laughs> such a big night. And then, you know, it, like eventually it's like, really, are we still having that same conversation? <laughs> Were your other friendships changing as well? Yeah, I was looking for other qualities in the friendship moving forward. The friendship with Brittany was really focused on our shared fun and indulgent lifestyle in a way. I mean, certainly I think I was I formed more codependent relationships in my twenties. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what twenties are all about. Yeah. So we were tragically kind of self indulgent. Were you very much a twosome? We were a twosome. Until it was a threesome. <laughs> and I was kicked out of the threesome. Yeah. That would hurt. It did. I did develop different friends after that. Friendships now are more focused on kind of shared values and activities, respecting the other person's views regardless of what they are and just having a conversation about things. Brittany was one of these people who really felt the need to compel other people's speech and actions. So she felt very strongly about... For example, everybody in the world getting the COVID vaccination so that she could be safe. And I come from more the perspective that people get to choose what goes into their own bodies. Vastly different values. So it sounds like she was quite happy to tell other people what they might need. And what they were doing wrong. Yep. All the time. All the time. God forbid somebody make a suggestion to her. That's right. <laughs> and that's where, yeah, it was just a, a difference in values. Okay. Yeah. So it, it would have ended regardless, really. Mm. Maybe that's why she didn't see me for years too, because she just knew my stance on that. For me, I, I really don't like being told what to think and feel. 
Brittany was always, her way is the right way. It's all about me. Look at me. And relationships are all about compromise and focusing on the other person and admitting our faults and growing together and relationships don't survive unless you can grow together over time and that means self-reflecting and having humility and admitting when you behave like an asshole. and yeah there's a bit of sadness there I'm working on that I mean I find that I tend to isolate myself for self-protection and I'm stubbornly kind of self-sufficient I don't need anyone what do I need friends for you know that's a that's a problem in my thinking yeah of course we need other people I'm sitting on a chair that's been made by someone else. Sitting in a house that's been built by somebody else. Eating food that somebody else has grown. It's not possible to live in a self-sufficient bubble. Over time, I've got clearer about my boundaries and especially having children because they really pick up on the subtleties of what we do wrong and then express it in a really big way. So I I became really aware that I needed better boundaries. Yeah, it's funny because when you describe Brittany, she sounds a lot like my friend Madonna. (laughs) You know, like the real sort of life of the party, Mm. loved going out drinking, a strong personality, right? Thought she had kind of had it all figured out. And I guess we all probably think we've got it all figured out to some degree, but I don't think anybody could tell Madonna what to do. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they're quite similar in that way. Mm. Yeah. I think for me also reflecting on even the friendships I haven't yet spoken about, it seems to really just come down to boundaries, my inability to set them and hold them, and then this resentment and pressure just builds and builds and builds until I just lose it and it all just comes pouring out in a jumble out of seemingly nowhere and I can imagine it would be such a shock and so overwhelming for the other person to hear whereas if I'd just been honest from the start it wouldn't be building and people would be really clear on where I'm at and what's not working for me I think as women maybe we're sort of conditioned to not have boundaries and just let people run right a bit. Yeah. My inability to set clear boundaries about how I want to be treated led to me feeling resentful about being told how to think and feel. And so then I just shut the wall down. Was there any part of you that felt like, why aren't you understanding me? Don't you know me? Absolutely. Yeah, I was really surprised at her opinion of me in a sense, based on what she was saying. But when I kind of bring my thinking up to that next level, I'm like, oh, no, she doesn't think like me. We're just different thinkers. Mm. It's been a gradual process, but I think it's uh, those level levels of awareness and, and that next step in taking responsibility for your own life and your own thinking and your own speech. And, you know, not everybody wants to do that. It takes courage to constantly self-reflect and make different choices and set clear boundaries. It's not for everyone. Yeah, often there's that fear that you're going to lose people once you start setting these boundaries. You do. (laughs) 
Yeah. And wonderful opportunities open up at the same time. And by doing that, it gives the next person an opportunity to do the same thing. Yeah. Imagine if we all did it. Mm. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me and sharing this with the audience here, tiny as it is. <laughs> and I'm so happy to hear that, you know, it's kind of helped the way you're thinking about it, you know, talking about it, right? Let some light in. That's all. What compelled you to share your story here today? Other than being an awesome friend to me. (laughs) Oh, I was really excited when you asked me to. Mainly because it was unresolved in me. I'd never spent the time to self-reflect on what actually happened and what went wrong, my part in it, her part in it, and what I actually wanted for the future because it was over such a long period of time. Thanks for the opportunity to do that. So you feel like you are clearer now? I feel like I'm really clear about it, yeah. I found that with Madonna as well. Like it really helped clarify. And even though there were things that I thought that, oh, yeah, I understand what happened when I started this process of actually like, okay, how do I tell this story? There was, yeah, still stuff that kind of came up that needed to be ironed out. Pause and really think about that. So, if you met each other for the first time now, do you reckon there'd be anything there to like spark a friendship? Not now. So, was it a friendship of utility or pleasure? Pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> we had so much fun. Brittany was a blast. Okay, that was our pod's first guest, Tori, speaking so bravely and thoughtfully about her friending with Brittany. There was so much going on in that dynamic beyond just the usual getting older and maybe growing apart that we can expect with a friendship forged in your 20s. This was almost a lesson in all the potential pitfalls of friendship, being excluded by your two closest friends, feeling guilty for getting the one thing your friends want most, in this case family, changing identities, the inevitable shift in priorities once there's kids in the picture, struggling to see someone you love hurting themselves again and again, figuring out a way to be supportive without enabling their destructive behaviour, getting tired of hearing the same complaint over and over. And then there's the pandemic-related stress that was so all-consuming when we were in the thick of it leading to vastly different coping strategies and a whole new kind of conflict and relationships. There's also Tori's reflections on her tendency to retreat when hurt, which is just such a human response, right? There's a book I'm keen to check out called Platonic by Marissa Franco that was published last year. In it, Franco refers to the paradox of people, which is that we need and want relationships with people, but we're also terrified of being hurt or harmed by those very people. It's a hell of a conundrum and maybe something to dig into in a future episode. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts, so drop me a line via Insta. Thanks so much for listening and for being a friend of the show. See you next time. Friendings has been created by me, Sabina Shah, on Paramount Country. Writing, production and sound engineering also by yours truly. 
If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate and review or tell your friends about it. It really helps. So thank you for that. Feel free to get in touch via Instagram at friendings.show. Oh,